Hi, I'm Gia Puyat, and this is Quentum Creatives, a podcast to get to know the stories, strategies, and lessons of Filipino creatives from different fields. Has there ever been a time where you didn't press that skip button on a commercial? Have you ever seen an ad that not only caught your attention, but actually made you laugh, cry, or even feel inspired? For some of the really successful and experienced directors in advertising, that's the ultimate goal. Most people who are new to the business would see directing as a physical thing. But for me, the job of directing is more conceptual. How do you direct someone to take action based on what they saw or experienced? That was AF Benaza, a veteran director in the advertising industry for almost 20 years now. My relationship with AF is that he actually runs Artillery, the production company I work for as a director. So boss ko siya and mentor figure ko din at the same time. He shares some really good insight on knowing your value as a creative, practical business and industry advice. Also what to do when the job becomes overwhelming. So if you're into filmmaking and you're thinking kung anong industry gusto mo pasukan, this is the one you want to hear for advertising. Also, if you just happen to be leading a creative team, we get into a lot of useful tips as well. So that's it. I hope you enjoy this episode with Direct AF Benaza. To start off with some quick context, I asked AF how filmmaking first entered his life. Well, my dad was uh, basically was a producer for GMA. So yeah, I was, I was there on set. I remember it. <laughs> I always found it weird because... In, a, in, in the set, even now, like when we walk around, it's dark when there, where there's no talents, right? But when there's, you know, someone who's supposed to be in front of the camera, that's where all the lights are. So I always kind of found that odd. It's like my earlier memories are like, why are these people in the light and other people are in the dark? Obviously, they say action. And then you look at the things and then people come to life, right? And then when they yell cut, they draw, you feel the energy just cut out, right? It kind of made me realize that there's some, there's like a, literally a magic that happens in front of the camera. It kind of made me decide early on that I'd rather be on the side that's not in front of the camera. After college, he went back to the Philippines with his dad just to visit family. But eventually, this is where he started to build his career. I didn't really think that I would be spending the rest of you know my life at the time here, right? Like the plan was really just to come visit the Philippines, meet some people. You know, hopefully have a good time and then go home and then go back to, you know, looking for work in Los Angeles. So I came out here and I had a reel, which I finished coming out of Art Center, and I showed it to some people. And then, you know, immediately I was able to get work. I mean, I can honestly say that within a week's time from the first meeting that I had with an agency, like I was literally put on a project in, in the next week. So you've been directing for around 20 years now. How would you define the role of a director? You know, people kind of assume that directing is like a bigger thing, like it's directing movies or directing TV shows or, or things where there's more of a narrative aspect. Whereas TVC directors, I, I feel like there's some kind of a stigma with us because we basically just do a 30-second video and, you know, the budgets are relatively big. I mean, they're nowhere near where we were, <laughs> you know, when I first started my career. But I feel like there's just a thing with, with commercials because everyone thinks it's, it's short, so it doesn't really have as much weight. But I think, you know, like any other profession, there's always going to be expertise in a certain genre. Uh, you know, directing commercials is a very different discipline from directing uh, a film. But with advertising, I feel like 
it's it's a more specialized role because you know obviously we're we're representing bigger brands we're we're trusted to execute something to a certain level the audience now also has the the power to scroll up right if you're not relating to them at a specific level i think it's even harder now because there's so much media right you know so for me because if i think that's what one of the things that makes every director different is the interpretation of the same idea but i always feel that with advertising it's more about how do i connect with somebody on an emotional level so they don't just throw this out and scroll on to the next thing i think all principles still apply to emotion and this is one of af's most important points when it comes to his directing style I asked him if this is something he figured out earlier in his career or kind of discovered later on. Most directors kind of feel like the uh, the shift in interpretation or appreciation of the craft much later in in their careers. Like when I started, you know, I was really superficial, right? It was just about being cool, you know? Like so for some reason that just is like being young is just all you want to do in life is be cool, right? <laughs> Um, what I started realizing is that it was actually very, very hard for you to, com- well, let's say me, to communicate an idea clearly, especially in advertising, you're, you're trying to communicate an idea. If people don't get it, then you basically didn't do the job, right? So for me, what's more important is if I show someone my work, one, do they get it? And two, do they connect to it, right? Because for me, the value of directing is really showing it to an audience and then seeing if they react the way you wanted them to react, right? Did they laugh at the right parts? Did they cry at the right parts? Did they think about their own life in those moments? Was it something that connected with them because they went through the same thing? And then for me, that became more important to me than how it looked. The easiest part of, of working in, in directing or, or any kind of production is to really make something look cool because there's so many people that can do it well, right? It seems to be like a, a perspective thing, right? Where a lot of people assume that what you're there for is to stylize a project. To me, like that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing I could hear about somebody if someone just says, oh, bro, it looks cool. That's it? <laughs> Fuck, dude. I spent two months on this and you just tell me it looks cool. And then people swipe on, right? So that's that's... To me, it's like, I don't want my work to be that shallow where people just swipe through it and just say, okay, whatever, right? You know, it's like when I can see that people relate to the work, it's a really powerful and fulfilling experience as a director. And that's what you end up doing this for, right? So the cool stuff is like, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, two years from now, three years from now, that's not going to be cool anymore, right? But the emotions are forever. So that's why I think like the more powerful works are usually the ones that move people. That's for me, it's, it's like the most rewarding thing about directing. It's like making someone feel something that affected them so deeply that it actually impacted their life from that point on, right? I'm not an awards guy. You know, I, I'm not, I don't care about, you know, getting awards for whatever work I do. What I'm more concerned about is if people react to something that I did. And if I see, I show it to them and they cry, to me, that's done. I'm good. And I feel like I did what I needed to do. So I think that's why a lot of people need to make a decision early, early on in their careers, especially if they want to get into directing or in advertising or production or anything creative that has the word director attached to it, is what exactly are you directing? So AF defines a director's job as someone who ultimately manages experience and emotion of the audience. And that brought us to a topic that he's very passionate about, which is the creative or production person's value in the industry. People really have to understand that what you're paying for is not to get a video out, not to get a post out, right? It's for solving someone else's business problem. That's my biggest concern at this point now is that people need to understand their value as a creative. 
what we do is not easy, right? But that's kind of like the crusade I'm on now is for, for people who work in creative to kind of understand their value. Because I feel like most creatives, especially in this, in this industry, in this country, don't really know what their value is in, in this industry, right? Right. If you're willing to do a lot of work that puts so much stress on yourself and your family for nothing, guess where you're going to be in 10 years? People are always trying to quantify cost. Guys, here's the thing. The cost to produce is not your value as a production person or as a director, right? I don't care what camera that was shot on. I don't care what editing system you used. No, I don't care what, what presets you use for your LUTs, right? Those things are not going to help the audience connect with the message that you're trying to convey. I mean, it's different if you're just learning, right? If you're just an apprentice to somebody, you're putting the time in, you're still in school. You know, it's, I, you have to draw the line somewhere. And if you're not doing it for yourself, then find a partner who can do that for you. I guess I can relate to that kind of ignorance because I entered the industry not really knowing my value for the work I do. And just because of the pressure to work, especially now during the pandemic, there's a tendency to kind of back yourself up into a corner and be known as like the cheap guy. So what would your advice be to anyone starting out in the production industry? You have to understand that you cannot do everything yourself, right? The more... I think connected you are with people. And, and I'm, I'm talking about in a genuine way. The more connected you are with people, the more that they'll try to help you, right? You've got to know how this business runs. Business means relationship. You need to get out there, meet people so that you guys help each other out. Like most of the creative people are not going to be good business people, which is why you need to find a business partner who will be that person for you. Because you need to take care of the creative. Your business guy needs to be the guy who goes out and markets you gets you into the right doors, sets you up with the right meetings. It's like you have to understand that you need to be able to network, make friends, establish relationships with people because these are the people that you need to get the work done or to endorse you or to recommend you for work. So that to me is the most critical thing coming out of school, especially if you are the type of artist or creative who gets a lot of compliments for having amazing work. If you are hearing those things all the time, it's so important for you to start developing people skills of actually meeting people who can help you in your life to be able to get to where you want to be. And you have to admit that you need help, right? Nobody can do this by themselves. Nobody is that good that they're an amazing artist and an amazing business person and an amazing networker. Admittedly, I'm still working on that because I, it wasn't natural to me to, to hang out with people, talk about anything and develop genuine relationships. I always just felt like if I do a good job, people will notice. But honestly, the problem with it is it's not enough, right? Like with social media, you will get short-term benefits, right? People will like your work. Then someone might ask you to do something. You get commissions, right? Or a brand might ask you to do some work. But after that fizzles out, then what happens? But like I said, you need someone to kind of help direct you into, in terms of what are your goals? What do you want to do? And then how do you plan on getting there? Because most creatives don't think about those things. Man, that is such practical advice, which I actually wish I, I could have heard from someone earlier. So from the other side, what are some bad recommendations you hear about your industry? You know, if you're just, if you're all about the money, right? It's, it's always going to compromise, um, one, your reputation, and two, the work that you make. There's just no way that it can survive, right? Right. Because that's the thing. It's like, especially in, in our, in our business with production, 
we can always blame other people because there's a lot of people involved in doing something. But at the same time, it's if the leaders aren't the ones, you know, making decisions for the benefit of everyone on the team, then I think that's where, you know, things, uh, things fall apart. Regardless of your, if you're just the director on a project or if you're the owner of a company, particularly in a case where there's a lot of people involved. For me, I guess if we're talking about like what lesson did I learn is that to be more, be more accountable for my actions as a leader, right? And speaking of leadership, we touch upon AF's reputation for being the guy you don't really want to mess with on set. So that's the thing. I mean, like for me, I think I'm, I'm pretty notorious in the industry for being scary. <laughs> you know, there's stories around the industry that, you know, people are, you know, they, they say I throw things, I break stuff. And yeah, that happens. But I have a breaking point and it really takes a lot to get there. This is what I wanted to happen. And, and you know it and you didn't do it. Right. So now we're all fucked because you didn't do it. Right. Right. So that's to me is that's how I see it. It's not that you fucked me over. It's no, man, you fucking let the team down. It's just that, like I said, there was a promise made to each of us on this team. You didn't do the job. There are consequences and we're all going to suffer for it. Right. So you have to understand how much this affects everyone else on the team. Right. So that's to me is why I feel like I have that reputation because I have a high standard for the people that I work with, right? They're on my team because they're the best. That, that kind of reminds me of something we, we would talk about before. When I asked you about what kind of career or hobby is kind of analogous to the work you do, and you said it, you think it, it's something like being a chef, you know, in a kitchen, you know, where you work with the team and... The point is to put out good food, you know? It's the most important thing. It's not about the chef's ego. It's just about getting the objective done. I'm not a good cook, bro. <laughs> it's like I, I try. But a lot of people who work in film and a lot of people who work in, in restaurants or, or the food industry have very similar expectations, right? But like a chef, an architect, a director... It requires us to have teams around us, right? So the problem with it is the reason why certain people in those industries are very hard on their teams is that they're representing the director, they're representing the architect, they're representing the designer, they're representing the chef. So for me, that's that's the thing. It's like it's amazing uh, how how close the the relationship between like you know, you know chefs and their staff is with and and directors and their staff. It's so close. Like, even though I've never commanded a team in a kitchen before, it's like, fuck, dude, I know how that feels, right? So for me, hats off to anyone who can make an amazing meal with either little resources or a small team. So by now, it should be very clear that directing is a very high stress and high pressure job. By nature, our job is, uh, you know, trying to produce something that doesn't exist and then making sure that it gets delivered on time, right? So that's always going to be part of our work. Because back in the day, I mean, like, I used to just worry all the time. It's like, fuck, dude, it wears me down. It starts, like, manifesting in everything, personal relationships, you know, your relationship with your family, you know, time for yourself, stuff like that. So I asked AF what he does to manage that stress. And actually, his answer was very simple. I think the, big, the app that I get the most work uh, done in is actually just Google Keep, like the checklist. So what ends up happening is I make a title. And then I write down all of my concerns. So from there, it's like I have a guide. Okay, this is my concern. This is the action. This is what I need to do. Then it becomes clear you don't worry about stuff so much. For some reason, because it's now physically 
like a note in my phone, it exists now in the real world, then it can start to happen. And then things start flowing a lot faster. Like, especially if I'm doing treatments or writing, uh, you know, for shot lists, for storyboard and stuff like that. Because I'm not the kind of guy who's just sit in the, you know, on a chair or in front of my desk and then like write out my shot list and just bang it out in one session. Like, I can't do that, dude. So when you need to do some creative problem solving, is that not really your method of getting stuff done? Bro, I would, if you made me sit there the whole fucking day, like in 24 hours time, I would probably not be able to bang it out because I feel like I'm restricted, right? Like to me, I can't draw inspiration from that. Like I have to be out there. Like if I'm going to write a story about a relationship, then I need to be out with people because I need to see how they interact with each other. Some people have to kind of identify how they work because I can't, I'm not the guy who can sit behind a desk and bang shit out. That's just never been me. It's like stuff comes to me when I'm doing something completely disconnected with whatever the project is. And this led us to talk about AF's many hobbies outside production. If you check his Instagram feed, you'll find a lot of posts on motorcycles, mechanics, and even back in the day, triathlon and airsoft. So he shares why his hobbies are important to his creative process. That's the reason why I think I'm so big on, on my hobbies because of the, the different kind of people that it brings me to. Because I can, like, honestly, all of my hobbies all have a different group of people attached to it. But at the same time, it's also, it, it provides me space to sit and not think about the work. Because I think the, the stressful thing about directing is like, you're always the one that's expected to have the answers. But I don't know if you guys have had those days where it's like different departments are all texting you and everyone wants to know what's, what, what's in your head. It gets crazy stressful, right? So it's like, for me, it's like, I got to detach myself from this completely to be functional so that I can basically answer everybody's questions, provide the direction that everyone expects of me. But I can't do that if all I am exposed to is work all the time, right? So I want to ask about your passion for mechanics. Every time I check your stories, you're either restoring an engine or even 3D printing this specific part, right? What is it about mechanics that draws you to it? For some reason, it's like I, I really have this thing about like fixing old things. Like it's just, it's just like I feel like it's something that I feel is really fulfilling. It wasn't working before and then you do what you can to make it work and it looks nice and it's you know it's a piece of history it starts making you understand that there's a process to everything and that there's like especially with a production team like everyone needs to be working well together because if there's problems in one department it ends up affecting what would seem completely unrelated but the whole system doesn't work anymore and i think that's one of the things i learned with mechanics is that you have to understand what each part does so that the whole can work really well together. Then he got into a hobby he's super passionate about, both for the skill and the community behind it, motorcycles and track riding. You know, with the bikes and the money, it's, yeah, it's, it's always a balance, man. I mean, because like for me, it's, it's, there's guys who are super fast, right? But there's also a, uh, <laughs> there's also a, a, a real risk of, of death and, and injury. And for me, it's like every time I go out, as I'm aware of that. And, you know, it's like you want to push yourself. But at the same time, there's also that that fear of going too far because it's inevitable, man. It's like if you try to push too hard, things will happen But because you don't know what's going to happen. And you're not used to it, but you have to keep pushing yourself further and further without going over the edge to know what your limits are. But most of the people out there, it's like even though, you know, most of these guys are racers or they're trying to be the fastest, there's like this spirit of competition but everyone's always willing to help each other out. Like they see someone who's struggling, they'll give some advice or they'll tell you what you need to do, what your mistakes are, and you learn from that and everybody grows, right? 
right? So the good thing about being out there is that there's other people who can see it from a different perspective and they know what you're doing wrong. And then they'll tell you that, hey, you should try this, like put your head lower or bring your body out a little bit more about stuff like that. Then it's like, then you realize it's like, fuck, man, if I just listened to myself, I would never improve. But for me, because it's like, like I keep saying, it's like, the, I feel like I'm better at what I do because of the people that I'm influenced by or the people that I, I observe, right? So for me, it's like I have to keep these relationships, you know, dynamic and, and keep meeting people and keep improving myself in terms of what I expect of myself to be able to, to be effective in my, in my role. And all this talk of helping others in what seems to be like a very competitive industry brings us full circle to AF's directing style and his mentality of helping out younger directors like myself. And you can trace all of this to his experience of seeing the movie Top Gun for the first time. Something about that freaking movie like really influenced me so much that it's really affected my entire life. And now it's like I'm, I'm doing everything that I've, I wanted to do. Like Tony Scott was a huge influence for me in terms of directing. I, I'm actually in the industry now. You know, it's just it's so much of that just came from the feeling that I got watching that movie for the first time that it really freaking affected me for the rest of my life. You know, that's that's why I'm so passionate about the work. And that's why I'm so passionate about bringing people into the industry is because I want people to feel that way as well. You know, for something that was able to impact me so, so strongly at such a young age and then being part of an industry that can potentially do that for other people is why I do this, right? And like I said, it's like for me, it's like my, my biggest, I guess, uh, crusade now is to be able to kind of get people onto the same path. Like rather than be frustrated and, and, and worry and, and, and be concerned about whether or not this is the industry they should be in or I know what that feels like. Everyone feels that way, right? But there's some people that are selfish about it because it was so hard for them. Why should they help someone else about find your own way? I like what you just said about changing your mindset because it's very counterintuitive to an industry where status is about big budgets or growing your portfolio. Could you unpack that on how you changed your mindset from being selfish to wanting to give back a little more? I was in that kind of mindset before because like, you know, I, I, you know, things were not going well in terms of, uh, you know, partnership with my, the previous company and it, it, it affected me personally. And I was in that rut where it's like, well, shit, if I'm having such a hard time, why should I make it any easier for anyone else, right? Because it was a terrible feeling, man, like walking away from something that you built. And especially that, you know, most of the, most of the reasons why it didn't work was not even your fault. But what I noticed is that by staying in that mindset, everything around me was spiraling down. You know, my relationship at the time wasn't good anymore. Um, I was always upset with people, even my family. I wasn't making good decisions because I wasn't coming from a very dark mindset. But that's the thing. It's like when, when I made a personal decision to actually change that, that way of thinking, it, it, it improved my life like so much more, man. It took me two months. Like I had to fly back to LA, figure out what I was going to do forever. That's when I actually was like, okay, so what is causing me to feel like this? And then bam, it all came out. I wrote that shit down. I remember sitting on the beach in Santa Monica and writing that shit down on the phone. So I went down that list. I was like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. One, take out the toxic people. Two, change my mentality, right? So now that I took the toxic people out, it became super uplifting. I could see clearly in terms of what I needed to do. I wasn't worried all the time. And then now I can focus on myself, right? Because now I attracted people who were on a completely different mindset and they were more supportive, right? So for me, it's like, if someone was actually willing to help me realize the goals that I had, that 
that I had of, in my entire life. And even if I failed at it, they're willing to take a shot, right? It's like, wow, man, someone did that for me. It's like, I got to do that for other people. And this point really resonated with me because I am a direct beneficiary of AF's crusade. He actually helped me get my footing in the advertising industry. He set me up with meetings, introduced me to the right people, and gave me the chance to prove myself as a director, which honestly has been very crucial in building the confidence I needed. And in turn, this puts me in a spot where I want to help out other people too. If you're blessed enough to do really well, you realize that it's not up to, it's not about your career anymore. Right? At some point, it's like you have to, you become a custodian to the next generation. It's like whatever your experiences were to get you to where you are now, if that was a positive thing, then it's your obligation to share it, right? So that they can also share it with the people that come after them. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys found something useful in this episode. If you want to follow Direct AF, you can find his Instagram at AFBenaza. Find us at Kwentong Creatives on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow me at Giapuyat on Instagram. Big thanks to DJ ET the Fourth for our music and Laser Kaluya for our design and branding.